I want to acknowledge the fact that Caleb ought to be preaching here this morning. But you remember that our church shut down a year ago just before I preached the last sermon that I would be preaching as pastor of the church. And the deacons insisted that I either preach the sermon or return the money. <laughs> and it's easier to preach. January 19, 18, let's say not 18, 1986. You probably don't know where you are, but I know exactly where I was. I was standing in this pulpit preaching my first sermon in this church as a guest preacher. They were looking for a pastor. And uh, I wonder if any of you remember either the title of the sermon or the content of the sermon that I preached back then. Some of you weren't born, so you don't have to query. Anybody remember? I didn't think you would remember that. I preached uh, a sermon entitled, What Think Ye of Christ? And you don't remember a thing about it. But I said something that morning that you've never forgotten. I said when I came to the platform that uh, I want to I want to you to know to relax. I am not interested in being your pastor. <laughs> and the reason I said that, Paul, was because there were other pastors being involved. And I wanted them to know I, you know, I was not interested. I knew they had somebody coming anyway. That was in January, but in April the 20th, I became the pastor of this church. I knew when I said that, that I shouldn't have said it. But it was not that I was not interested in you. And I am so glad that God brought me to this place. What a wonderful, wonderful life I have enjoyed for the past 34 years, now 35 years. Now my sermon here this morning, and, and, I, and I wish you would not refer to it as his last sermon. <laughs> That's what they kept saying. Well, when are you going to put your last sermon? That's a bad way to say it to a preacher growing old. But the sermon that I'll preach here, I would have preached as the last sermon of pastorate here. And uh, the message that I'm going to bring to you this morning is a message that I thought about for years, literally thought about for years. The text that was read to you this morning about David and how God chose him and how he brought him to be what he was he was dealing with his generation. That always impressed me, that David took care of his generation. He served his generation. And I'd read that every time I'd come to the book of Acts. I'd, I'd think about that. What does that mean that you should serve your generation? 
Well, the thing that I want us to consider this morning is one of the jobs of the Christian. In fact, the major job of the Christian is to do exactly what God called upon David to do. And that was to serve his generation. The text that you know he said he read this morning said that he served God's purpose and he did all God's will. Now I want to ask you as I ask myself, do we always do that? In other words, isn't it true that most of us Christians kind of live a, a clumsy, stumbling, fluctuating kind of a life? And don't we say to ourselves when we get up in the morning, I want to serve the Lord, but when you take your shoes off at night, you think, I wonder what kind of a life I've lived today. I wonder if this day has pleased God in what God has called us to do. Well, we have before us here in the Scriptures this morning an inspired description of a life that pleased God, King David. And I know what you're saying right now. David was not a perfect man. No, he wasn't. There are times in his life when he was, uh, I guess we could say, guilty of cowardice. And of course, you know about the adultery, and you know about the murder. And you've got to say to yourself, well, obviously a man after God's own heart cannot be a perfect man. That's the point. There is no perfect man. Well, what is this man who is a man after God's own heart? What is he talking about? Well, what he's talking about is that God's people, whom he's chosen to bring to himself and give them life, do not live perfect lives because they're still in imperfect bodies and there's still in us those, those things that cry out to us for the old life at times, though we've been made new in Christ. And, and the Scripture tells us that, that as you read through the Bible here, you read about all these characters, and, and not a one of them, I mean, it, not a one of them, uh, were without fault, and without trouble, and without conflict in their life. But King David did those things that we read about, but I want to tell you what he did. He did what every Christian must do if we sin. And of course he sinned, as we all do, even those who've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. Now think of what David said when he said, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from all my sin. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight so that you may be justified 
in your words and blameless in your, in your judgment. Now we have here before us this morning two interesting and instructive verses. And it has to do with serving. You see, once we are born into the family of God, we got to ask the next question, what now? My sins have been forgiven. I know that I'm a new person. Things I once were involved in, I am involved in no more. Life is different for me now. And you've got to ask the question, well, what now? Where does it go from here? Well, the Word of God's very clear about that. And it has to do with serving because we know Him serving God, serving people. We become servants of the Lord and servants toward other people. Now, that's what he's dealing with here with David. Though he's coming with a great theological matter there in this chapter in the book of Acts, this is a very practical thing that I'm lifting out of and, and reminding us of the job that is ours once we come to know the wonderful Christ who saved us. You see, service is not an option for a Christian. Serving is a mandate. Listen to what the Lord Jesus said to His disciples. He says, does He, He's telling a story here, He says, does He, talking about the Master, does the Master thank the servant because He did what He was commanded? It's a good question, isn't it? He commanded him to do something. He did it. Jesus said, did he need to be thanked for that? He says, in the same way, when you have done all that you were commanded, you should say, we are unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. It's, that's kind of a pride buster, isn't it? When we do something, oh, look what I've done. How beautifully I have served the Lord. No matter how good it is, no matter how obedient you've been. That's what you should have done. That's what you should have done. But Baptists have kind of forgotten about that verse and they want to be praised. Look what I did. Well, you should have done it. Well, that doesn't set good with ego. But you understand that we're talking here about the thing God's called us to do. Now, David, the Scripture tells us here, David served the purpose of God. He served the purpose of God. What does that mean that he served the purpose of God? Well, the purpose of God for him was to minister to his generation, to serve his generation. Whatever comes in that, he should do that. And that's exactly what he did. Now, of course, he had a purpose in calling David. He had a purpose in asking David to do these things because you understand that God has a purpose 
for all things, and God has a purpose for all times, and God has a purpose for all people. I'm not talking about Sunday school teachers and preachers and Baptists. He's got a purpose for all people. Listen, the Scripture says, The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. God's got a purpose for the unsaved man, the one that has no interest at all in the gospel. God's got a purpose for that man too. Different than the one that has now faith in Christ. Isaiah, the Bible says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none other. I am God and there is none like me declaring the end from the beginning and from times, ancient, ancient, uh, things that are not now done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. When we think about the purpose of God, we think about how perfect it is. For instance, the Apostle Paul dropped a line in his book of Ephesians to remind us of that. Paul said, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him. God brought us to himself because that was his purpose for Christ, the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. Even Job knew that years forward. You remember Job uh, said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Yes, God does have a purpose for us. And the purpose for David was to serve his generation, to serve his generation. And I want to tell you folks, our Lord Jesus Christ made it very plain about our duty as believers. Listen to this. Jesus said, whoever would be great among you, you must be You must be your servant. Not you should. You must be your servant. That word is the diakonos. That's the deacon, word for deacon. You must be a servant here. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. And that's not the word diakonos, that's the word doulos, which means actually slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give His life a ransom. Now you see, here's the thing that God says we should, uh, uh, we should come to think about ourselves, and that is, now that I have been forgiven of my sin, and God has called me to be an example of of love and mercy and grace uh, that God has showered in my life and share this with others, we do that like servants work, like slaves work. This is what God's talking about. The Apostle, the Apostle Peter said this, 
And by the way, Caleb, what a wonderful uh, series of messages in Peter. It was, it was terrific. And, and he says this now. He says, as each has received a gift, I want every one of you who claim to be a Christian to know that God has given you a gift. There's not a person in this building who says, I love Jesus, I, Jesus is my Savior. God gave you a gift, a spiritual gift, and that spiritual gift is to be, is to be exercised in the presence of God's people. It's for ministering of building up the church and, and helping the church and encouraging the church. There's a gift for that. God's given you a gift that works toward that. Listen, here's what the Scripture says. And each of you has each of you who have received this gift, you know what he said next? He said, use it. Do you have a gift? Every one of you do. Well, Peter said then, use it. Well, use, use it for what? He says to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied, that means many-colored grace. God gives you grace. You've got a gift. Use it. Grace is available for you to use it to minister to your generation. You see, we get easy. You know, we want to go to church on Sunday morning and this is it. We're here on Sunday morning. Hey, I endured the sermon. <laughs> I didn't care for it, but oh, when's a guy going to get a new tie? And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm here. I'm here. I, I, you should praise me. Thank me for coming. You shouldn't be thanked for coming to worship. Come on, folks, listen to me. What do we do when we come to church and hear the Word of God, and sing the praises to the Lord Jesus, and give our blessings and gifts to the work of the ministry. What's going on in our lives? Just coming to church to do that? No, we go out to serve. We are servants. We are slaves. We are workers. What are we doing? We're supposed to be taking care of the generation in which we live. This is what God called David to do. And I want to tell you, it's the very thing that God wants us to do. You see, it's a mandate. It's not that whether you want to serve the Lord or not, if you belong to Him, you must serve the Lord. He deserves your service. And others will be helped by your service. It's a mandate. You should consider it that way, that I must serve God. Peter said, you got a gift? Yes, use it. That's good preaching, Jim. They're taking heart pills back here, Jim. Well, that doesn't always... You know, it doesn't always allow me to do what I want to do. You get the picture? You're a servant. Now, deacons are servants. That's what they are. But every one of us are servants. 
Jesus himself was called the diakonos, a servant. And a servant is one who thinks not about himself, but about how he's going to deal with some per other person. That's a mandate. Now, let me come to this question. He, he ministered to his generation. Well, what does it mean? How are we going to minister to our generation? Well, there must be a measure. We must understand what that means. And David, the Bible says, served his own generation and, of course, that would involve people. And, and, and you ask the question, well, what was his generation? Well, his generation was every person who lived on the face of the earth that time. Do you know how many people, not many preachers know this, do you know how many people lived in the day of David, which would have been about 1,900 B.C.? You know how many? I know. 50 million. You're glad to have that information. I know you are. 50 million. So we can say David, David had the opportunity to minister to his generation. 50 million people. By the time it got to Jesus Christ, in Jesus' day, there was 300 million. Now we're told by experts, so you've got to believe it. I don't know who, who counted 300 million. You know how many folks live in this country today? 331 million. There's about that many in the whole world as they are in America today. You know how many people are on planet Earth today? 7.8 billion. That's a lot of folks. Now I know you're going to say right here, well... What does that mean? How can I serve that? 7.8 million. Well, what is he trying to get us to do, you see? What, what would David do? How did he do? You think he, uh, you know, went to China? No, he didn't go to different countries. He served the area and the people with whom God put him. You see, here's what Christians need to realize, is that you need to serve the people where God has planted you. God plants you. You know where you are today? You are where God wanted you to be. You live where God wanted you to live. No, you say, I made that choice. I got the verse for you. You know what the verse says? The verse says, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. You are where you are because God knew you'd be useful right where he put you. We're always talking about what we're going to do. You better talk to God about some of that, because ultimately he's going to put you where he wants to put you. There's not a person who lives at any street in, a, in this area that wasn't put there by God. He planted you there. Now, folks, that's the area of your generation. The people that you know, the people in who, with whom you come in contact. If you're going to serve the generation, folks, you've got to serve people. 
You got to minister to people. You remember Alex Haley? You remember that guy? He was the author of that uh, of uh, Roots. You remember that TV program about slavery? Remember that? Well, Alex Haley had a picture in his office uh, of a turtle sitting on a fence post. <laughs> and somebody said to him, I'm sure a lot of folks said to him, so, so why, why do you have a picture like that? Well, he said, that picture taught me a lesson way back on And I said, well, what was the lesson? Well, the lesson just is simple that you see a turtle on a fence post, he had to have some help. There is no such thing as a self-made person. If there's one thing that this, that this COVID has taught us is that we are not self-made. That one thing depends on everything else. Now they're talking about meat short. They've shut down the big meat plants in Australia. And we won't get those delicious steaks on time, perhaps. Well, you're a self-made man. Get you a steak and eat it. You can't even buy automobiles that you want today because they're not making them. They're not available. Why, my goodness, you should just do that. Find you a car where you want it. You see, here's the, here's the point I'm trying to make, and it's simply this, that servants, servants must serve the generation. Those of us who know about it. I've got a long list of folks, long list of names. I, I'm not through with my sermon yet. We're still eating here. But I'm glad to fix it. We'll be eating there in a minute. I understand. But don't you see, folks, that, 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 that you, there are people who have helped you and blessed you that you wouldn't be anything of what you are had not been that person ministering to you. Hell, if you wouldn't have been the kid you were if you didn't have a mother that just kept you where you ought to be. I used to try to give you a break. Caleb, a human, he'd make jokes up and say, is that, is that funny? And his mother's, no, it's not funny. <laughs> We'd play cards and games, and, and I'd say, let him win sometime. No, he's, well, he's not winning. I said, well, give him a break. He doesn't need that. He needs to learn that you have to win to get, you know. See, I was, <laughs> well, I'd, I'd let him win sometimes. But not her. What about that, Mom? Ah, oh, listen. No, that's not right. You got more of that from Mom than you did Dad. She told him, you need to spank him. I never could beat on kids. I should. I got one son that guy might ought to beat on before. But you see, you are what you are. Think about this, folks. Think about this. You, you don't have the job you had unless somebody did something good for you to have a, a job that pays well. And not a one of you in this building today, 
that weren't helped and blessed, even though you didn't know it at the time, it was taking place, and when you look back upon it and see the series that have come to be what you are or where you are or doing what you're doing, how that worked from place to place. And that's the way it was with David. David was a shepherd. How did he serve? How did God get him started to serve? Well, he put him out there in the, in the, uh, with, with the sheep. And he ministered to whom? To his father and to his family. And then it wasn't long until he had an opportunity to minister to his nation. Jesse gave him some bags of food and said, take this to your brothers. They're over here dealing with the Philistines. And he went over there and found out there wasn't any fighting. It was it had just each side had decided not to cause any problem to the other. And, and, and there was a great big guy walking out saying to Israel, listen, we can settle this if you send your man out. Whoever you, you send, make him your best, and we'll fight, and whoever wins will win the war. And he heard all that. And David said, well, this isn't right, is it? He's talking about our God. That's that old King Saul up there, trembling in his boots. All he did was to go up there and give them some food and come back and tell Dad how they're doing. But he ended up by saying, let me go. I'll take care of him. You, you'll take care of him? How? Well, I, got, I brought my slingshot with me. And I'll get me some good stone. I, listen, I'll deal with him. Let me do it, king. Well, here, put on this armor. <laughs> you can see it. He said, I can't walk. Well, take it off then. Go get him. If you think you can you had any experience? Well, I kill lions and I kill bears. How? Well, I'm a slingshot. So what did he do? Found five stones, went out there and knocked his head off his shoulder. To make sure he didn't come back, he took his own sword and whacked his head. Now he's dead. And for that, the militaristic fear disappeared and Israel had won. And for the thanks, the king exiled David for a good number of years. And through his jealousy and his anger and his dimension, David suffered like no young man ought to suffer. Now look what he did, though. He could have killed him twice. You know the Scripture. You've been reading that through the Bible lately. We've been going through that. He could have killed him twice. He could have killed King, uh, King Saul twice. But he didn't do it. He endured that, that suffering that he was going through. Now, I want to tell you something. He's putting up a good picture here. David's putting up a good picture. You know what it is? He's patient under trial. And he's... He's showing humility under intimidation. And he's showing love where hatred stands. That's a pretty good picture to put to anybody, isn't it? When they know the truth of what's going on. 
He was a great shepherd. But then God exalted him to be a great king. Saul had really dropped the, dropped the ball, and, and God chose him. The Bible said he chose David, his servant, and, and took him from the sheepfold. For following the, from following the nursing ewes, he, uh, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, Israel, his inheritance. And with upright heart, this is David he's talking about, with upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with skillful hands. He became a great king. And one of the great desires he had for God was to build God a place to live. To build a temple. They'd been in the, you know, they had the tent of presence, but he wanted something permanent. And, and God wouldn't let him do it. He saved that for his son. But that was the great desire he had in his heart. And when you read, if you, and some of you have been reading the Bible, you read this, I don't know if you noticed it or not, but when those kings of Israel and even Judah were mentioned, God mentioned them and their ministers in connection to how David had done it. I mean, whether it was good or bad. He said about Amaziah, Amaziah, he said he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. But, <laughs> not like David, his father. And when he did bad, Ahaz, uh, he, he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord, as his father David had done. He didn't, he didn't do it, but David was the man. He wanted that more than anything else. And then, of course, he was a, he was a musician. He could play the lyre. He soothed old crazy, demented-minded King Saul. And while he was doing it, Saul would try to play darts on him against the wall. And he just went on and on and on. And I want to tell you something, folks. He was a great musician, and he was the first to allow, or to, shall I say put, music into the worship services like we have today. That came from, in fact, he, he had a great choir to do that. And, and this Psalm 23, think about that, Psalm 23. We've been singing that thing for, for 3,000 years now. Did a pretty good job, didn't he? Oh, listen, but think about how God did David. Everything that happened in David's life, now this is the lesson he's giving to us. Everything he did in David's life stacked upon what had come previously. You know how, why he killed Goliath? He killed Goliath because he could. And he could because he was a faithful young man taking care of sheep and knocking lions or wolves or bears or whatever it was, knocking them in the head with a slingshot. 
That's what he was doing out there. I guess it was boring, but he was doing that. But there came a time when he became so proficient with that that it mattered that he was proficient. And he killed the giant. And what a blessing that was for the nation. And where do you think he wrote the Psalms? Why, he wrote the Psalms, folks, in, when he was in green pastures. He was storing that in his heart. He was forming those, those wonderful Psalms beside still waters. Why, he was, he was thinking about those Psalms when he was going through the dark valley. Every period Stacked upon the other period. This is why when God saves you, He doesn't want you to sit down. He doesn't want you to become a dead Baptist. He doesn't want you to think it's over. I'm saved. Now I'm living like I want to. I'm not going to hell. Nobody knows it. You're to follow Him. You're to serve Him. He calls upon you, follow me. That's what he's teaching us here. And one man said, the world is better, sweeter, richer, purer, brighter today. Because David lived, served, suffered, reigned, and sang. Let me give you the last thing here. Not only do we see that service is a mandate, and it must be measured in your life as to how you will serve your generation, but the thing that moves it all is the motive. And you know what the motive is in our lives to minister to our generation, you know what the motive is? Here was David's motive. The Bible said in that verse, David served his generation by the will of God. By the will of God. And I know what you're sitting, you're sitting, I, I can tell it on your face. You're sitting there and you said, oh, I'm not a king. You're saying, I don't plan temples. I don't write psalms. David's lesson is, is, is lost on me. It's not for me. I'm just a little person, and I live in a very little place. But even the smallest person, whoever that is, can, lo can love and serve and follow God and be a blessing to someone else. We forget that. God's got a will for you too. You're to serve by the will of God. You mean God's got a will for me? God's got a will for everybody. Listen, here's what the Bible says. It says be careful. Be very careful then how you live. Be careful. How do you live? Well, are you taking care of your life? Be very careful, he says, how you live, not as unwise, but wise. Making the most of every opportunity because our days are evil. 
You believe that? Oh. You need, you need to find out something about God's will for your life in the evil days in which you live. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And there's not a one of you in this building that couldn't help somebody. Not a one of you that couldn't serve somebody. Not a one of you couldn't love somebody. There's not a one of you that couldn't pray for somebody. And not a one of you couldn't give a cold drink of water to a thirsty person like Jesus said. Giving cold water to a thirsty person. He says, your reward will not be lost on that. That's a simple thing, isn't it? How simple can it be? Give somebody cool, give them a, give them a good Diet Coke. That's a big reward for that. That's, that's going to be in heaven along with sweet potatoes. You see, you can do far more than you think you can do. You know, Caleb, I know you know Mahalia Jackson. That's the black woman that sang back Every record of her. I came home from preaching in the jail service out in Mercer one day, and my son Greg had taken those 33 to 3rd and had laid them out through the apartment like they were pedals of some sort and danced on all of them. And when I got home, he was asleep. If he hadn't been asleep, he'd have never woke up again. Mahalia Jackson. She used to sing the old song, If I can help somebody as I travel alone, if I can help somebody with a word or a song, if I can help somebody from doing wrong, then my living shall not be in vain. You know, poets tell us that when you drop a little pebble into the ocean, that those wavelets are going to stop at some other shore somewhere. Or if you speak words of love to somebody, and, and you speak those words into the air, there's a reverberation to that air that causes it to circle the earth. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's a great idea, isn't it? Uh, the thing that when you do what is good for a person and what is glorifying to God, that it just goes on and on and on. And the difference between a King Saul and a King David was one thing, and that was the Word of God. King Saul trashed the Word of God. And King David stored the Word of God. You remember how God rejected, rejected Saul because he wouldn't mind God. He wouldn't do what God asked him to do. You read about that also in your Bible, didn't you? King Agag and the Amalekite, how he should have exterminated them. But he brought the king back with him. And he brought cows and all that back with him. And God said, God said to 
the poor old <laughs> Sam says, Samuel said, I'm through with him. He's got to go. And that's exactly what he did. And Saul said to him, the reason God's getting rid of you is because you don't obey him. To obey is better than to offer sacrifice. And, and you're gone. Well, folks, listen to me. Especially you young Christians. Don't go along in your Christian life living like most of the church folks you may know. Don't settle in to, to what, is, uh, you know, what is a standard be a different than that. Just realize that God has called you for a specific thing, and that is to take care of your generation in which you live. Take care of them How? with the gospel. And here's what Tozer said. Tozer said, if we serve God according to his own will, and in doing so serve our generation... We shall have accomplished all that a person, a human being can do. That's a good statement. Did you know that? That's a wonderful statement. And God calls upon you to do simple things because it makes a difference in people's lives. The Bible says, when David had done what he had been called to do, when he had run the race, when he'd come to the end of his journey, the Bible says he fell asleep. I love that verse. He fell asleep. That's what happens when our people die. Christians, they fall asleep. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing frightful about that. Fall asleep. And that's what he did. And they buried him with his father. Any of you remember the name Vance Havner? Any of you know that name? Vance Havner, preacher. Vance Havner. Some, of, some of you, Harlan, you know him. He was wanted, and, and not so much right now, but in the last, you know, several generations. He was 12 years old when he started preaching. And he preached 73 years. And he became a famous preacher in America. He's preached all over the world. He wrote 40 books. He was an old boy from, South Car from North Carolina. He had a wonderful ministry. Vance Havner was speaking at the uh, Moody's uh, Founders Week. That's the week when they're at the Moody Bible Institute and the Moody, uh, the Moody Church in Chicago. They have a special week where they have the best preachers in the world come in and preach to their students and that sort of thing. And Vance Havner was there. And he was 80 years old, and they gave him a birthday party at the, at the uh, conference that day. And he preached as well. And you know what his title, what the title of his sermon was? The title of his sermon was, Oh God, you be the Lord of what's left. Now, that's a good title. And he prayed this little prayer, a little poem uh, in the service. He said, Lord, of the years that 
are left in me, I give them to your hand. Take me and make me and mold me to the pattern thou hast planned. And you know, I've often wondered, because I told you I love that verse, this, these verses. I've often wondered through my whole life, how, whether God was pleased with what I'm doing with my generation or not. I've often wondered about that. Am I pleasing God with what I do? With what I'm doing? What I feel that God calls me to do? Am I, am, am I doing well? Every Christian wants to do that, I suppose. And there's no way to answer that. But there's something you can know, know for sure, and here's what I know. I know how thankful I am as a preacher, as a member of God's church. I do know how thankful I am that He put me in a ministry that I could meet so many wonderful individuals of His people. I've met so many wonderful people over the years. The three little churches that were, I stayed at about a year or six months or something. And then the other four churches where I spent most of my time, in fact, spent over half my ministry with you. And I've often wondered about that. But God has given me so many wonderful people I mean, people who accepted me and people who supported me and people who prayed for me, people who listened to me, and people who loved me. And I want to tell you, for the last 62 years of my life in trying to help my generation, I'll never know until I stand before Him and neither would you. But I'd like to think, I'd like to think, I may not, that you might hear from the lips of the one who saved you. Well done. I'd like to hear that. Caleb, make it your goal. Well done, good, faithful servant, David. Oh, you guys, make it your goal. Because one day, we'll stand before the one who said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve you. And his great service was to end up on a cross looking like a piece of beaten flesh for my sins. Now folks, I don't know how many or how few days Jim Stallings may have left 
But I agree with Vance Havner, and I say the same thing. Lord, you be the Lord of whatever is left for me. And for this church and the family here, I want to thank you for allowing me to serve you as a pastor. As stumbling as it was, as inefficient as it was, and a lot of other ways. But you've loved me, and I've loved you, and it's all because that he loved us all. And I want to thank you for that privilege of serving this congregation for 34 years. Our Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for making us your children. And I pray for our people that we'll not give up just because discouragers come. Help us to remember that our job is to serve the generation, however it may be, until Jesus comes for us. Bless this young pastor, my son, my friend. I pray that you'll anoint him in a way that will make him preach beyond his ability so that the Holy Spirit will tell a difference in the hearts of the people because the Word of God has been received with faith. Bless us, Father, as we worship in the days to come in this place. Give us people who love Jesus. Give us those who don't, that we may see them come to that place. Bless those who are here today. Bless the time of fellowship down at the hall, down there at the uh, hall today. I pray you'll make it a time of sweet fellowship among God's people. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.